It's time now for the complete story with Dick Bott, a public news and information feature of Bot Radio Network to keep you informed about the most important issues of our day. Now, here is Dick Bott with today's complete story. Well, we are going to examine a subject on this chapter of the complete story that I think everyone is going to find very, very interesting. It's a part of us. It's all around. And so uh, just sit back and just relax and enjoy it. Because my good friend, uh, Greg Thomas, I met him a few years ago, two or three years ago. And he's a uh, black American. Is this a good way to say that, Greg, or yes. African? Okay, whatever you prefer. And, uh, and he loves teenagers. He loves to help them. He loves to share the love of Christ. And he's a, the, the, the young people call him Coach T. Last name is Thomas. And so they call him Coach T, and that's how he's known around Kansas City area. Now, this broadcast is being released on the entire network, and you are going to find out why in just a moment. But anyway, um, Coach T, uh, Greg Thomas has written a book. It's called Race in America, A Call to Heal. Isn't that great? Race in America, A Call to Heal. Well, anyway, and then uh, the gentleman who wrote the book, the, the book is, is Coach T's um, story, and it's a wonderful story. You're going to want to get a copy of this book. Matter of fact, you're going to want to get several copies. But David Smale, S-M-A-L-E, is the writer of the book, and uh, he's in the studio with us as well. David, let me just start with you. How did you and Coach T meet? We met at the Fellowship of Christian Athletes. Uh, I was the director of communications for the ministry for five years, and the Kansas City office where Greg worked was in the same building, and we became friends through that, so that's been 17 years ago, 18 years. Well, you met each other working in the same building, but that you know, a lot of people work in the same building. They don't really meet each other, and they don't really come to be friends. So there had to have been something more than that. Well, part of my role as the director of communications was to meet the staff around the country, not just in Kansas City, but uh, around the country, and to get to know them. And Greg has a, uh, as you have learned over the past few years, Greg has an effervescence that is uh, very captivating. And I, I, I probably spent more time with Greg at FCA camps than I did in the office because I was, I was, you know, in the cube farm, so to speak, and Greg was out doing ministry to the schools, but we would see each other at camp and we just, we hit it off. We had kids roughly the same age and Greg is the kind of guy that you you were drawn to very quickly, and I appreciated his enthusiasm. All right, folks, I'm looking at the book right now. It's called Race in America, A Call to Heal. And then on the, on the front cover, there are these two hands, and they're formed in the shape of a heart. One is a black hand, and the other is a white hand, and it's formed in the shape of a heart. And in the heart, right on the cover, is a, just many, 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 many people. Many, many people, prob probably they're Americans, but that's what the book is about. So anyway, Coach T, uh, tell us just a little bit about that name. And first of all, welcome. We're going to talk about this book. We're going to get deeply into it, into your story. First of all, let me ask you, where did you get that smile, that perpetual smile? It was a God-given thing. When I was a teenager, they called me, my nickname was Smiley. So just... Uh you know, just blessed to be able to do the things I get a chance to do. So uh, just joyful. 
How did you come to know the Lord as a child? Right, as a, as a middle schooler, I uh, went to Palestine Baptist Church and and uh, had a, a, my teacher there who just made it so clear to me, even as a youngster, that you know if I were to pass away, uh, where I where I would want to spend an eternity, and I wanted to spend an eternity with Christ. So, Palestine Baptist Church, is that in Kansas City? In Kansas City, yes. All right, and, and so when you say a teacher, you're talking about a Sunday school teacher. Sunday school teacher, Brenda Jenkins. Oh, is, now listen, folks, isn't that, isn't that neat? Uh, the Sunday school teacher really impressed on your heart the importance of giving your life to Christ. What an influence she had on you. And he still remembers her name 40, 45 years later. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, so you grew up. Um, when when did your faith start taking a root in such a way you wanted to share it and work with young people and be the blessing that you are? Well, when I got to high school, uh, sophomore year, I got involved in wrestling and football. And I, uh, somehow my name got to the FCA uh, office and a guy named John Shore, who's responsible for local uh, FCA, uh, helped get me squared away to go to Oral Roberts University. Uh, for the first FCA camp in 1974. Then that next year, I went to Estes Park, Colorado, and got to meet Tom Landry and Roger Staubach. Uh, at the Oral Roberts, I met Mr. Roberts and uh, some some real nice people down there. And then 76, we went to uh, St. Olaf, Minnesota. So my t- high school years were spent going to FCA camps and leadership camps and things like that. And so getting impacted by coaches and mentors and pastors that would help a youngster in that Proverbs type of mentality where you're doing the, the things that are going to bring blessing to your life. When did it dawn on you? And we're going to be getting into the chapters of this book because this is about your story, your life story. Let me tell you, folks, you need to get a copy of this. I'm not, I'm not kidding. And you need to buy several copies for your church, for your pastor, and everyone else, probably most of your family members. Uh, race in America, a call to heal. What 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 period of your life did it dawn on you that people love the Lord and they're Christians, but they don't understand each other and there's no interaction between the races or that sort of thing? When did it dawn on you in such a way that you wanted to do something about it? Well, you know, growing up in Kansas City, and inner city of Kansas City was different than it is now. Uh, we had diversity all around my my neighborhood, even though it was in the early 60s. And uh, so growing up as a youngster, I, I thought everyone got along fine. Then when I went to high school, went to East High School, graduated in 76, the Bicentennial, uh, we had a great, I mean, a great experience at East High School. But in 1974, when I was a sophomore, we were in our English class, and we looked out and we saw a race riot on our campus. So it reminded me of, uh, now I think about the movie, Remember the Titans, how there was racial strife at the beginning of the movie. So I'm in English class, and we look out, and we all ran to the window to look out and see people that we knew that were out there fighting and the police dragging them away and things like that. So I lived that. And uh, even though East was a good school, we got along great, there'd be some incident that would happen that would cause a big issue. So then I realized in high school that not everyone got along. And then uh, then I went to college a few years after that. and. And just so that's how I learned uh, that uh, we didn't all just didn't get along like uh, Rodney King said back in the day. Who was your mentor to uh, to want you to take your education seriously? I mean, I assume listening to you now and knowing you that even in high school or junior high, uh, you were taking your studies pretty seriously. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. No, you're not wrong. I was a good student. I did uh, uh, worked hard. Uh, who, was, who in your life? Who in your life made that important? My, my, my mother, especially. My mother uh, 
Uh, you know, I had mom and dad at home there, but my mother really made sure that uh, the academic thing was an important thing to do. And so uh, that was something that we that I always took very seriously, even through college. And uh, uh, so that was my mentor there as far as ec- uh, educational-wise. But athletically, it was uh, Coach Chuck Sears from Blue Springs. He kind of took me under his wing, and we traveled around the country, and I got a chance to, to see some people and wrestle world champions from different parts of the world and, and expanded that way. At what point did you decide that you wanted to give a piece of your life, a big chunk of your life, to help other young people? Well, um, at one point, I'd, I was invited to a Royals tryout. I was a good baseball player, played a little college baseball. And so there's about 50 of us out there. And so I was hoping I could take over for Frank White, you know. So I was out there at shortstop and made good plays, but my arm wasn't strong enough. So they let me know I wasn't able to play at the major league level. So then I decided I wanted to coach. And so, uh, uh, so I learned all I could. And so I was able to coach wrestling, football, and baseball for many years. Uh, do you know um, Barry Black is the uh, is the uh, well, chaplain of the United States Senate, and he spoke at the prayer uh, meeting, I think at the National Cathedral, and he's African American, and so on and so forth. And Barry Black said, once again, it was his mother that made it a priority. In his case, it was to memorize scripture verse. She said they would. He said that she would give him a nickel for every verse that they memorized, and he really took that seriously. Finally, she had to put a cap on it and said, look, now, I want you to keep memorizing Scripture verses, but a quarter is going to be the limit. You get 25 cents. But, but you know, as he was talking, he said that, that where he grew up, he had never shaken a white person's hand until he was 16 years old. Isn't that something? Wow. Isn't that something? How divided how divided, how terribly divided. In your book, Race in America, A Call to Heal, maybe we should say race in America, a call to come to know each other, Ooh. a call to come and talk, a call to come and, and appreciate all of these things, so important. And I personally do not know a time in my long life when there is more interest and more heartfelt feeling for the Lord's people to come together, the Lord's people to know each other, the Lord's people to appreciate each other. And this is what your book is about, I think, isn't it? Oh, yes. But it's your own story. Yes, sir. All right, now where can people, I'm going to say this two or three times during the course of this broadcast, where can people get a copy of this book, Race in America, A Call to Heal, it's an easy read. It's really, the type is just nice and easy. It's 116 pages, so it's a real book. It isn't a booklet, but it's an easy read. Lots of pictures in it as well. There's a story. Where can people get a copy or many copies? Well, uh, uh, Amazon.com has some, uh, BarnesandNoble.com. And uh, quite a few people have been emailing me to get books. So I've been autographing books and shipping them all over the country and even to Hawaii. And, and you go speaking. Now, listen, folks, uh, if, if you're having a banquet or you're having a meeting of any sort, uh, Greg Thomas, we call him Coach T. Uh, Greg Thomas would just be a great speaker. And I don't, uh, whatever your denomination, whatever your denomination, a big church, a uh, Big churches ought to be doing this. They're not doing it as much as they should. 
But whatever size church you have, why, you can get there, can't you, any place in America? That's correct. As a matter of fact, you told me you're going to be out to San Diego area here in the, in the next little bit. So people can get a hold of you. Did you mention where, where people can reach you personally? Well, they can contact me at uh, my cell is 816-699-4985, 816-699-4985, or my email is coachT, TD as in touchdown or takedown at yahoo.com. Let's start out here. Uh, the first chapter, my story. Wow. Tell us about that first chapter a little bit. Well, growing up in Kansas City, I was born in 1958, so Ike was our president. Um, uh, like I say, in, in our neighborhood, it was pretty diverse, so we didn't know anything about all the crazy things that were going on in Watts and the sit-ins and the, uh, all the things that were happening in the United States. Somehow I was shielded from that in Kansas City. But then in 1963, John F. Kennedy was assassinated. I was in kindergarten, and we got sent home from school. And so we realized, wow, we got some issues in America. It was a big, yeah. it was a big deal. That next year, I got a chance to, to uh, salute LBJ, our 36th president, Lyndon Baines Johnson. But in 1968, I lived on Paseo, and uh, Martin Luther King was assassinated April 4th. So on April 5th, I was a nine-year-old kid. I looked out my window, and I saw tanks going down the street in front of my house. And so I never forgot that image, you know, because we were, you know, Vietnam was going on, so we'd see tanks yeah. in war, but not tanks in front of your house. That, that really was impactful to see a bunch of tanks going down the street in front of my house. And so, uh, but then, like I say, the years went by and went to high school and, and got along well there. But just every now and then we'd have some issues there. Uh, tell me this. Uh, to what extent do you remember during those years that the Lord's people were reaching out to each other? This is something that really sticks in my heart, reaching out to each other, because we tend to spend our time in a box. If you go to this church or you're part of this denomination, you don't have any friends that are really reaching out, crossed in another part of town or anything like that. Did you have any of that in your life? Well, around mid, I want to say 67, 68, there was a German, there was a Presbyterian church on Linwood. Um, and there was a German guy, Hans. I remember his first name was Hans. He had the German accent, and he would drive a little bus around. They would get kids in the neighborhood to go to the go to the Sunday school. So I remember for years and years I went to that Sunday school, and they treated us so well there. You know, they showed the love of Christ there. And and Hans has done a lot of stuff. I think I met his son uh, years later doing some ministry in the area. But he was a guy that had a heart for kids in that area. And so I was one of those kids that would get on the bus and and go to that church. So I really didn't go to the church service. But we went to the Sunday school, and they did so many things, and it was a powerful way to introduce yeah. me to, to Christ. Tell me about Chapter 3 in your book, The Root of the Problem. Well, there's a, a little bit of history, you know, in the United States, and I think that people think, ah, well, it's, it's over with. We got Obama's president or whatever, and uh, we like LeBron James, we like Tiger Woods, that kind of thing. But uh, our country, you know, basically we, it was founded on a fault line, you know, uh, uh, when they said that all men are created equal, we just really didn't. We did. There was a. There were things like the Casual Killing Act of 1669, which made it okay to kill a slave. You wouldn't. There wouldn't be any repercussions. So the black life did not matter. So that's 1869. You si see, that's right. Si it was 1669. Same, 1669. And it went through the 1800s there. So go ahead. And then, then you had things like the Three Fence Compromise. So you're really not a person, but the South wanted to use all the slaves they had for representation. They said, well, the North said, well, you can't use them to represent because you don't count them as people. So they came with a three-fifths compromise. So you're three-fifths of a person. So there again, the black life didn't matter type of thing. 
Yeah. Uh, and that is, of course, uh, t- taking in then, I suppose, the Dred Scott decision. That was a Supreme Court decision where Dred and Harriet Scott they were from St. Louis area. They were the Missouri. Uh, matter of fact, Dred Scott's great great granddaughter, Lynn Jackson, lives in St. Louis, and she's one of our radio listeners, a wonderful, wonderful Christian, her whole family. But that was kind of the famous Dred Scott decision where the Supreme Court just got it wrong. Mm. So we got to stick to the Bible, don't we? Yes, we do. And not only read the Bible, but believe it, and then don't try and make it say what it doesn't say. And don't try and interpret it so that it says what you want it to say, but read the Bible and take it for real and study it and know that that's God's roadmap. That is God's way for people to live and, uh, and, and get along and care about each other. Certainly those who profess his name and they say they are Christians, how on earth could we be living and not know each other and sometimes not even care to know each other? What has been your experience in that? Well, I mean, um, there's been good and bad, but you know, there's been I've been involved in so many different ministries and things around the country, and so there's there's a lot of healing. The book's about healing, and uh, there's a lot of situations in there where uh, people like Dr. Tony Evans in Texas, some of the things they're doing, and and in New York City, there's uh, for the fallen police officers, they're doing things up there to help the youngsters get in touch with with what police officers have done for people up there. So there's a lot of healing that's going around all over the country. I just want to be a part of as much healing as I can here in the Midwest. Is there anything, I was listening to you very carefully, is there anything that will take the place of a mother starting early on with that little kid and encouraging that little youngster to know how to do things, know how to how to handle himself, know how to how to behave himself, know how to dream, know how to think, and then the church. Those two elements in a child's life are so important, aren't they? Yep. I grew up with privilege. You know, I had a mom and a dad there the whole time, and I knew that mom and dad loved me unconditionally, that I got me kind of love, and they supported me in all the things that I did. Then we had three kids, you know, Brianne, Nate, and John, and me and my wife were there for them the whole time. And so a lot of kids I've dealt with in coaching uh, don't have that. Uh, and when you don't have that, when you don't have a, a dad there to help you, it, it especially, it really uh, stunts your growth in, in, in many different areas. So that's something I'm talking well, about. Well, now when kids, let's face it, that sometimes then it has to be a grandparent. Sometimes it has to be a friend or it has to be somebody in the life of a child or has to be that mentor. It's really more than a mentor. It's someone to really love that kid and let them know that they are really valuable and Christ died for them and God has a plan for their life. That has to be someone in that child's life that will plant that seed early on, isn't it? Very true. Very true. Because I've thought about that in my own case so many times. But let's face it, sometimes mom isn't home or mom doesn't care. It's, it, it's a shameful thing to have to say, but there must be someone. And I think if it isn't the home and it isn't the church, then, of course, it falls to the school. And the schools are failing miserably. Folks, listen to me. The schools are failing miserably to teach young people coming up through the schools the importance of being a mother the importance of being a father, and the joy of having a family. Tell me about your family. 
my family, well, our daughter's 34. She's living in Budapest, Hungary. Five years ago, she got married in Paris, France, went to Rome and Venice for a honeymoon. She's done ministry all over the world. She's been to Guatemala and Cambodia, Thailand. She loves the Lord. Oh, yeah, definitely. And so she's got three kids with her. Her and her husband live in Budapest for a couple of years. And so me and my wife will go to Budapest and uh, Germany and Austria in a few months to enjoy. Uh, our son is 31. He's a doctor. Nate Thomas, him and his wife, do chiropractic and kinesiology for people here. Uh, Precision Health uh, is where they work, and they serve people and help people with all kinds of physical issues. And our youngest son, John, is 28, and uh, he works for J.E. Dunn Construction. He was, he was a part of that national championship football team at Pittsburgh State in 2011. So three kids and, uh, <laughs> and four grandkids. <laughs> Listen, you have invested well. You have invested well. Isn't that wonderful to be able to say that? Now, what would be your encouragement? What would be your word to somebody who would say, I wish I could say that, but I can't. I can't. We failed. We failed. And uh, and there's so much we should have done, but we just didn't do it because our priorities were not the way they should have been. What would be your word to them? I understand that. I, I deal with that a lot. I work with a lot of kids that don't have that, and I talk to a lot of parents. And so I generally, when I talk to students, I tell them to, uh, for the guys for especially, I would say, you know, as you, when you grow up, you marry a young lady, you make sure you have a young lady where you're evenly yoked, where you're both honoring Christ, and then when you have kids, be there for them every day, not once every couple of weeks or a couple of months, that type of thing. Be there for them, the, be there uh, for the long haul. And so if you have not seen that, then that's why people like myself, I've been a mentor to quite a few kids, and I've had people to help me in that area as well uh, over my years. So uh, be a mentor to someone, but then as, when talking to young people, when you get a chance to grow up, you take care of your, your wife if you're a guy, and you take care of your kids from day one to the, to the last days you have. Yeah, yeah, that's for sure. Listen, folks, now the book is Race in America, A Call to Heal. Uh, Doris Akers recorded recorded a song years ago. Everybody in our audience knows I love her music. She's been home to be with the Lord for many years. But uh, I want I want us to just take a moment now and enjoy what she is singing about. Be given you 
That's Greg Thomas, and he's written the book Race in America, A Call to Heal. Now, you've got three children. Tell us, one of them is a doctor, and he, he's how old? He's 31, Nate And Thomas. then you have a daughter who is where? She's 34, Brianne Chang. She's in Budapest, Hungary. And she's serving the Lord. And then the other one is what? John Thomas. He's 28, he, works for J.E. Dunn Construction. Oh, is that right? And he loves the Lord. Yes. All right, now tell me. Um, let's just get into this in the moment here that we have left, folks. I want you to. T- I want to tell you now. This is Dick Bot talking, and if you're having a meeting and you haven't had a speaker that will just charge your audience up and melt their hearts and show them the love of Christ, uh, th- this is the man. This is the man you want to call, get a hold of. Give us that phone number again in it, case people want to reach out to you. It's eight one six six nine nine. 4985, or my email is Coach T, T as in Thomas, then TD as in touchdown at yahoo.com. Coach T, TD at yahoo.com. Yeah, there's, uh, and our time is getting by so quickly right now, but there's a couple in our church where we go to church, Lenexa Baptist Church, and the father of the girl was teaching a class, a college age class, and so on and so forth. And he was talking about Ken Ham, you know, one race, one blood. And this, this young, uh, this young man came up to him and said, "I want to know, do you really believe what you've been saying about interracial things?" And he said, "Oh, I do." The father said, "Oh, I do." He said, "Good." He said, "I want to be sure of that because I want to ask your daughter, with your permission, to be my wife." And you see, that young man was white, and the daughter was black. And so uh, that that just that just thrilled my heart because they were both wonderful families, loved the Lord, and now they have a little child. And I'll tell you, that little child is loved. But it wasn't the case in your case. And my word, our time is getting by so quickly. But um, but that is also part of your story. You know, we're just not going to be able to get into that. But you, of course, in those early days, had a different side to that same story, but God is faithful. And those three youngsters of yours grew up with grandparents 
and the love of a father and the love of a mother and the love of the family on both sides. And when you serve the Lord and you really reach out through him to love each other, good things can happen, can I? Oh, yes, very much so. I tell you what, folks, now this is the book. You need to get several copies. It's a good one. Race in America, A Call to Heal. I'm just thinking about all of the areas in the country where Bot Radio Network has a radio station and all of the churches and all of the gatherings of people that should want to have a copy of this book, but also, also have this man come and speak. Uh, his spirit is so sweet. He has a smile and the joy of the Lord and a story that is just riveting. Is there anything you want to say in the closing seconds here almost? Well, uh, like I said, with the book, that already there's been healing. I've been able to speak at a lot of places already, and that's what inspired me to do the book. After the Dallas police shooting is when I actually uh, put this thing down and contacted David Smale, and he's got a lot of experience in this area and, and helped tremendously in putting this thing together. So, um, so that's why we've got the book going, and we appreciate it so much. And David Smale, I'm glad that you're here in the studio. You, you took the story, and you put it down in the book. God has given you a talent and an ability, and you're serving him with it, right? I'm trying to. <laughs> okay. That's the goal. All right, there you go, folks. This is Dick Bott with his chapter of the complete story as a public service, and I'll see you later. <laughs> 